are standing up at home, you may be seated. Uh, good morning, Shore. Welcome. Uh, this morning we uh, begin our new Christmas series. Really, really excited about this. I want to say a big thank you to Shelly Horsfield. Uh, as you can see, it's beautifully decorated today, and she uh, did it all. And so just so thankful for, for her. She decorates every Christmas Eve. So when you're at the pipe shop and you walk in and you see all that, that's always her and her team. So I know she'll say it's her team as well. But uh, all right, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in John chapter 1. We're going to spend uh, our Christmas series mainly in the Gospel of John. We're going to look at other passages that will just complement this in the Christmas story. Uh, before, as you're turning there and you're opening your Bible, you know, you just poured your, uh, your uh, pour over because you guys are all doing that now. Um, I want to just let you about let you know about two things that we're doing right, right uh, starting this Sunday and for the next uh, two Sundays before Christmas Eve. Uh, you can come drive by at uh, LGCA at 1230. So it's 1230 and you can pick up our invite packages. So we have these uh, really, really well written. Started reading both of them this week. Uh, read this one almost all the way. Um, anyhow, uh, books that we want to give to our neighbors. And so we also have... If, if your neighbor has a family, we have also these kids packs that we want to uh, give to you as well. So you could just, you know, grab a book, grab a kid pack uh, with an invite card with the Christmas Eve service and just say, hey, our church is doing Christmas Eve at home this year, but thought about you. You know, I've been praying for you every day. As you know, I'm a Christian. I believe Jesus really did come in the flesh that he's God. He loves you. And so just hand them this. So you can pick these up every Sunday. Uh, starting today. Uh, other thing I want to talk to you about is uh, after the gathering at around 1.30, after you pick up your invite, head home, open your laptop, we have our special general meeting at 1.30. That's today. Uh, I really just encourage you, members especially, but everyone can come to it. It's on the website. You can click the link. We'll be live there at that time. But I just encourage you to come in, tune in. We're, we're basically adding part two to the budget uh, but more, more importantly, the elders want to share a message with you. Uh, there's some things God is doing which are just really, really powerful for us as a church in and amongst the leadership. There's some things we want to apologize for, uh, things we're learning, and we just we want to give you an opportunity to ask questions. So uh, please turn into that. Okay, let's do this. Our first, this is, I'm really excited. I'm really, I love Christmas. John chapter 1, let me read our passage, uh, passages, and then we'll get into it. So John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. In Luke chapter 2, we read, And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they, that's Joseph and Mary, brought him, Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now... There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, 
And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah, the Lord's Christ, the the promised one. And so he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, that Simeon, took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his, and his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. Let me pray. So Father, I just, I ask now that your love would come just through the screens we're staring at because it's in us, you are in us. Would you just fill us now with your love? May we feel loved by you. May we May that any heaviness we were of just feeling just dissipate now. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give us a joy to see the scriptures, a love to hear the Bible. Lord, I remember going to church with my Bible in my hand, so excited to see this book preached. So I just pray you would impart that I ask now, Holy Spirit, that you would just, Lord, use my gifts. And Father, would you uh, give me boldness to preach the word while you stretch out your hand to heal? And I just, I pray, God, that we would just really encounter you in this, just in this hour And that's all going to be a miracle of you, nothing in what I say or how I say it. So I ask that the miraculous would take place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so what do we learn about the presence of Jesus at Christmas, okay, in this passage? So we're going to mainly be in John uh, and we'll go to other passages throughout the series. But John is is, is where we're camping and where where we're studying. So... Uh, three things. Here's, here's what we're going to look at. Number one, his presence was from the beginning. Uh, second, he is God. He is not only just God, but he is God, our creator. And number three, life is in him. In him was life, and his life is the light for all people. So that's just basically what the text says, and we're going to look at each part together as we look at this Christmas series. Uh, so number one, his presence was from the beginning. Okay, look, look, at the, look at this passage here. In the beginning was the word, and if you look, jump over to verse three or look down there, it says, all things were made through him. Now, if you've ever opened your Bible, ever, uh, to the first pages uh, of Genesis, you, you, you would probably think, hey, I think I've heard this before, right? In Genesis 1, 1, we read, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So, His presence was from the beginning. John, who wrote this gospel, he's one of Jesus' closest friends, disciples. Uh, He begins his Christmas narrative or his prologue, his introduction to Jesus, uh, where we expect God in the beginning. So Christmas presence 
isn't, isn't first, you know, one night in Bethlehem. It didn't begin with like, you know, while the shepherds were keeping watch over their flock by night. No, it, it goes beyond the beginning. He, the arrival, the advent plan um, went beyond time itself. If Matthew and Luke point to the, the God with us, through the, the miraculous events of the angels and of the virgin birth, and John's coming in with a theology of Christmas. And so as we go through this uh, over the next few weeks, we're gonna get into a theology of Christmas. And so, um, yeah, this is really exciting. So, so John, just so you know, he's writing to the Greeks. Uh, Greek readers, they, they were the most simple of people. Um, let me just say this. Uh, Beginning with Plato, the, the Greeks had this concept that uh, the, you know, there was some divine logic out there, that there was a logic, there was a um, you know, order of nature. They called it the, the moral order or the rational order, uh, the logos. And so this is actually the Greek word that John uses in this passage. He says, uh, in the beginning was the logos. And so right away, all his readers are going, whoa, yes, but then you see, as this text unfolds in verse 14, this, this logos becomes flesh. But um, what's amazing, I wanna, what I want us to see in this first point is that Christmas begins before the beginning. This tells us that you're not lost wandering in some cosmic you know, circle of accident and you know, isolated from any meaning beyond you know, trying to make a name for yourself. No, no, before there was a beginning, there was love, there was community. Uh, There was design, Christmas, presence, the word, the logos was in the beginning and he was with God. By the way, history lesson here, um, this is one of the first hills the church died on. You can see that already in in John's first letter that Jesus is Lord, that he is God. This is uh, as early as the second century, Arius, whose who heresy really prompted the Council of Nicaea in uh, AD 325. He claimed that Jesus, though certainly God-like in many ways, was nonetheless less than God. He argued that Jesus was a created being, however glorious and close to God. But John tells us that, when time and cre- that instead, when time and creation began, Jesus already was. And, and, and he is God, but he's not just God alone. He is with God. He's with the Father. He's not the person of the Father, but he's with God. And so you just see already this Christmas theology starting to unpack. And it's really, really exciting. So even when Jesus begins his ministry, um, he, he repeatedly said that he was Christ, the Messiah, but God. Uh, you, you, let me show you a few places. So in Mark 14... We read this, but he remained silent, made no answer. Again, the high priest, so he's being questioned by the high priest, asked him, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of power, coming with the clouds of heaven. That was prophecy of of God. This is what God's Messiah is doing. And the high priest tore his garments and said, what further witness do we need? You have heard his blasphemy, and blasphemy they all knew was, was you are claiming to be God. Let me show you this more clear. In John 10, Jesus says, I and the Father are one, substance of with God. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him, 
Like rightly, this is, this is, Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father, for which of them are you gonna stone me? The Jews answered, it's not for a good work that we're gonna stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Now, because one of my main roles as your pastor according to Ephesians 4, is to equip the saints to go with Jesus and do his works. Um, let, let me just address that this is still the hill we die on, but this is still something that you will bump into. In fact, is an area uh, our enemy hates. Our enemy does not want you to say Jesus is God. He doesn't want you to say Jesus is God to anyone. And so he works really, really hard at getting all these other things distract you from believing and keeping your hope in proclaiming at Christmas the truth that God is with us, that Jesus is God. Um, and so here's the thing, from time to time, you will, you will run in, I mean, not only to unbelievers who clearly do not believe Jesus is God or there is a God and there's many issues there, um, but, but here's why I'm saying all this. I encourage you as you're, as you're looking at John, as you're listening to me, to think uh, can I explain this? You know, like, can I show people in the text where Jesus does claim to be God, that Jesus really is God with us, that Christmas, it all hinges on the real idea that God became a man, that God came to live the life we could not li live, and he came to die the death we deserve to die as God so that he could be the perfect substitute to reconcile. I mean, this is the Christianity of Christmas, like, that Jesus is God, and so I'm not gonna give you a big history lesson, but one of the most uh, you know, uh, regular places you're gonna bump into this verse today, which is being really uh, attacked, is through Jehovah Witnesses, okay? I don't usually do like apologetic stuff, <clears throat> which I should do more, but um, I'm not gonna give you a big history either. But sadly, the Jehovah Witnesses, they've mistranslated this verse, teaching that Jesus was not the creator but rather is Michael the created archangel who became a man. Even though it says in the passage that the word was already in continuing existence before angels or anything was created. Um, now, again, I would just encourage you, you know, talk to Ryan Howarth uh, from our church. You can just, you know, find him on the, uh, the uh, what is it called, directory. Or Tim Hardy, he's, he's, had, he's done a lot with just loving Jehovah Witnesses and, and talking to them about Jesus. But what they do is they translate this verse, okay, so come get a little geeky with me here. The noun plus linking the verb and the noun as they translate it this way, as the word was a God. Uh, which doesn't even work because if that's correct, um, then the word would be one of several gods and no Jew would ever believe that or would ever write that because their God is one. Moreover, the Jehovah Witnesses don't even believe there's multiple gods. And I point that out because we, we with, us, with the heart of Jesus and with love for our, our, our friends, they need to see Jesus is God. He really is God to give them his true life. There's no Christmas if this is not true. Um, lastly, by the way, if John meant that Jesus was a divine, but not deity, which is what they say, some super divine angel, but not quite God, there's actually a perfectly good Greek word that you would use, and it's, it's the word theos, God-like. 
not theos. Um, manuscripts would have just, all the manuscripts we have actually don't have any theos, just theos. The word he did use means God and not God-like, and, and that's really important. So let me just say this, um, gently, with love, when the opportunity comes, and it will come, you will bump into a lot of people that will say, Jesus never said he was God, or you'll bump into some Jehovah Witnesses. When the opportunity comes, especially with our Jehovah Witness friends, share, if the word creates in this passage, as John says, he has to be God. Because according to scripture, the fundamental teaching is that God is the creator. So if you go to a passage like Isaiah 44, 24, it says, thus says the Lord, your redeemer who formed you from the womb, I am the Lord who made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself. That's God talking. Let me, last thing I'll say, and then we'll keep going, but remember that your heart, when you're talking to people, all people, especially when the error is, is eternal and, and really deadly heresy, your, your goal, your heart is to love them. Your goal is to heal, not to disgrace. Your, your goal is to help them encounter what Thomas experienced when Jesus appeared to him, resurrected. He knew what this meant. And here's what Thomas said in John 20, 28, my Lord and my God. They called him God. They worshiped him as God. Jesus really is God. This is the most exciting thing about Christmas. He really did come. Like this, this is the wonder of Christmas. Our actual God, okay, the only God came in, was a present person in real history, and he accomplished everything we need to be with him. That really happened. Christmas happened. If you ever, moreover this, if you ever wondered what God is really like, or, or if you're ever in a place where you're like, I just, I feel all this heaviness, and I just, I want to know what God thinks of me, you don't have to look any further than go to the Gospels. Just look at Jesus. It's in Jesus. So God is holy, but he's holy the way Jesus is shown to be holy. God is compassionate and caring, sovereign and mighty, just as Jesus reveals, right, in his word. Most of all, Jesus reveals God's love for us, that he's meek, that he's humble. Jesus shows us God is not, and I, I borrow this language, but he's not trigger happy. He's not harsh, he's not reactionary, he's not easily exasperated. He is the most understanding person in the universe. The posture most natural to him is not a pointed finger, but open arms. And so if Jesus isn't God, we can't look at Jesus and go, what is God like? It really, really matters that we begin where John begins with the deity of Jesus Christ, that he's fully God, fully man, and this is Christmas. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, for I am gentle and lowly. That, that means he's more approachable. He's, there's no hoops you have to jump through to get to him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, but whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Um, okay, so that's just, you know, not only is he 
uh, God, but, but the second thing we see is that he is God, our creator. Now look at this, look at verse three. It says this, all things, you guys still with me? Yes, good, Jordan is. Jordan, you're loving this sermon right now. He's just like amening me back there. Okay, all things were made through him. This is gonna, this is so cool. And without him was not anything made that was made. So we get in that verse right there, a glimpse back to creation's actions. Now follow me here. Eight times in the creation, the creation account in Genesis, we read, what do we read? We read this, and God said, let there be. So, so it was by God's word that he brought creation into being. John tells us that this word is a person who was with God, which gives us the intimacy window into the Genesis account. Genesis 1:26, for example, says, then God said, let us make man in our image. But marvel for a moment with me, God, think about this, was speaking to the word. He was talking to Jesus when he said, let there be light. He, he wasn't talking to an abyss of nothing, but to his son, through his son, who then made it all. I mean, isn't that amazing? When he says, let there be light, he's talking to his son. He was the creator. Jesus made that. Paul in, in Colossians 1.16 affirms this. He says, for by him, speaking of Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. All things were made through him. If there is a made thing in the universe, it was made through him. Everything else depends upon the word of God. Jesus made every rock or path we loved to hike on, uh, every ounce of snow that falls, every beautiful you know, pink baby foot that we love to kiss. It's all his, and it's all being held by him. This is, this is incredible. Jonathan Edwards, in his sermon, God is Everywhere Present, he says it in this really smart way. He says this, when we look upon anything that we can behold, we see the present operation of infinite power. For the same power that made things to be the first moment that they ever were is now exercised to make them to be this moment and is continually exercised to make them be every moment that they are. God's preservation of the world is nothing but a continued act of creation as it is the continual operation of God to uphold things in being, so it is the divine operation that keeps them in action whenever a body moves or a spirit thinks or wills. It is infinite power and wisdom that assists it. God has established the laws of nature and he maintains them by his constant influence. So when we look at the sun, moon, and stars above or look upon the earth or things below, if we look so much as upon the stones or under them, we see infinite power now in exercise at that place. If we look upon ourselves and see our hands or, or feet, these members have an existence now because God is there and by an act of infinite power upholds them. So God is not only everywhere, but he is everywhere working. He is our creator. 
Now, I truly believe what John wants us to see in his gospel is he begins to write about the person and work of Jesus and the role that Messiah had coming, fulfilling all the promises and the covenants is that Genesis, in the beginning, it introduces the story of the old creation, but John now introduces the story of the new creation. And what did he come to do? Answers in the text, but, but it's the creator's heart. He's a restorer. See, see what we long for, what we heard for at, at Advent, and we want him to finally and fully come, Jesus began to show us glimpses of where it's all going. Let me ask you this. When, when, when we hear, um, or I'll tell you, in the Bonnie family, uh, often what I uh, race and rush to the most is when I hear one of my kids screaming and I know it's pain, right? Someone falls out of the trampoline again. Um, like I rush when, I, when you hear a screaming. So why do we rush to our kids when they're hurt? Why do we fix things that are broken in our homes? Like have you ever like painted something or like, you know, made something out of pottery or, you know, you built a certain tool and then someone broke it? Uh, and you, you run to fix it, or you run to see what happened, and as you do, you're running and you're thinking, oh man, that's too bad, I made that. Where does that come from? It's rooted within our designer. He is God, our creator. He, he made us in his image, and he's remaking us to be like him. He really, really loves you. He really loves the emotional. He loves the physical. Of the 3,774 verses in the four Gospels, 484 relate to healing. 38% of the the narrative verses are devoted to the accounts of Jesus' healing. In Matthew 14, we read, When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. In in Hebrew, the word compassion, it's derived from the word uh, womb. As one scholar writes, God feels about his people the way a mother feels about her unborn baby. I I, I want you to have that perspective at Christmas. He came because he loves. God feels about his people the way a mother feels about her unborn baby. She has tender longings for that baby and would die to protect her child. Like a mother carrying her child, God longs for his helpless children and is moved by our pains. And he waits for us to cry out to him for help, Isaiah 30. Uh, in, in his book, Gentle and Lonely, which I highly recommend, Dane Ortland uses a word picture to describe God as a compassionate doctor. And here's what he writes. This will be on the screen. A compassionate doctor has traveled deep into the jungle to provide medical care to a primitive tribe afflicted with a contagious disease. He had his medical equipment flown in. He was correctly diagnosed. He has correctly diagnosed the problem and the antibiotics are prepared and available. He is independently wealthy and has no need of any kind of financial compensation. But as he seeks to provide care, the afflicted refuse. They wanna take care of themselves. They they wanna heal on their own terms. Finally, a few brave young men step forward to receive the care being freely provided. What does the doctor feel? What does the doctor feel? Joy. 
Joy, we sing joy to the world. This is what heaven was feeling. This is the heart of the Father. His joy increases to the degree that the sick come to him for help and healing. It's the whole reason he came. How much more if the diseased are not strangers, but his own family. So with us and so with Christ, he does not get flustered and frustrated when we come to him for fresh forgiveness, for renewed pardon, with distress and need and emptiness. That's the whole point. It's what he came to heal. He went down to the horror of death and plunged out through the other side in order to provide a limitless supply of mercy and grace to his people. Amen? Amen. Woo! This is why Jesus still heals today, spiritually, emotionally. He's a restorer. It's a glimpse of where it's all going. Um, so, you, you know, this week, I've been sharing some stories, so I'll just keep sharing stories. Um, uh, it was Tuesday, I was going out for a prayer walk, you know, my normal spot, spot behind Park Gate, and uh, it was so beautiful out, as you know, it was a sunny week, so I was, I was hiking, and uh, so I went out there to pray, and there was this older lady, um, uh, who I was just moving faster than her, but I was like, I'm going to pass her. So I, I go to pass her and I'm still praying and I, I felt compassion. It was an interesting moment, but I just, I asked the Lord, is there anything that you want me to say to her? Or is there like, are you doing anything right now with her? I said, just pass her. And, uh, I, I <clears throat> sense really faintly. Yes. So I'm like, no, you know, as we always do, because my heart starts pounding, not because I was going uphill, but I'm like, I don't know what to say. Um, I, don't, I don't know what to say, God. Like, this is so weird. So I was like, it's probably just my imagination. I'm probably just a compassionate person. It'll be fine. She'll just pray for her right now. And, and then I, I keep going, and I can still feel it, right? I can feel it. So I'm like, okay, okay. So then I prayed. I asked the Lord, um, Okay, so if you want me to minister to her, what do you want me to say? And normally, I don't hear uh, sentences. Normally, I just, I just get the sense, tell her I love her, or like things like that, where I just look for a door, what does God want to do in the conversation? But in this case, I heard this sentence, um, tell her Steve misses her. And I'm like, either that's really my imagination, but that's left field, um, so my heart starts pounding even more because I'm like, this is an obedience to, in it. so anyways, I'm like, okay, Jesus, I'm just going to do this. I teach my church, take risks. So I'm going to risk if I'm wrong. And you know, so I stop, so I wait for her to catch up with me. And, uh, so she catches up with me and I just, I just say, Hey, excuse me. And, uh, she stops and I just, I could really feel just my compassion. And I just said to her, just, so you know, um, I'm a Christian and I come up this mountain a lot to pray because I believe God is real and he really loves us. And so uh, I said, oftentimes when I pass people, I will pray for them. And this time when, when I was passing you, I want you to know I prayed for you, but I also, I heard something. And I, I even said to her, I don't know if what I hear is my imagination or it could be God, but could I ask you a question? And uh, she was like, sure. And I was like, is there anyone significant in your life named Steve. And uh, she, she gives me that like, uh, how did you like smile? 
And I'm like, oh my goodness. And then she says, yes. And I said, I, well, here's what I heard. I heard tell her that Steve misses her. And she said, I have a really good friend that just moved to Florida named Steve. And immediately, she didn't even think about that. She looked at me with belief in her eyes and said, can you pray for my mom? My mom is really, really hurting physically. She's, she's in this home. And will you pray for her? And I said, can I pray with you? She said, yes. And I just got to pray for healing. Her name's Peggy. So if you want to just pray and you got this gift of faith, I was praying for Peggy. And I just got to pray. And I just got to pray that Peggy would love her. And I got to pray the gospel over her. But what I, the reason why I shared that story was because I told her right before I was going to pray, I said, I'm going to pray for healing. And I said, just, you know, Jesus loves to heal. But even when he rose Lazarus from the dead, Lazarus still died. So if God does something in Peggy's life to heal her, it's just a glimpse of how, how real he is. And that wasn't, it wasn't hard for her. She was like, let's just pray for healing. And so I just encourage us, sure, this is what God's like. He really, really came. He does not get flustered and frustrated when we come to him for fresh forgiveness, for renewed pardon with distress and need and emptiness. That's the whole point. It's what he came to heal. So as we close, we, we, we've seen, let, let me say this. No, let's keep going. Um, Okay, so we've seen his presence is from the beginning. His person is God, our creator. And third, at Christmas, we learn life is in him. So look at verse four with me. In him was life, creation life, salvation life. We'll look at all the passages, not all of them, but we'll look at some of them in John. And the life was the light of men. Next week, we'll hit the light and darkness in a sec, in, in, again, but one translation says, life was in him, and that life was the light for all people. Do you remember what Simeon said as he took Jesus in his arms and he blessed God? He said this, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The nations, all people, this life, my eyes have seen your salvation. What is Simeon looking at? Is he looking at a teaching? Is he looking at a principle? Is he looking at like a, a scroll? He's looking at a baby, a two-year-old. He's looking at a person. He's looking at a person. So what is this life? Well, let me, let me read you some passages that John explains. So John 3 says this, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That's the cross of Christ, where Jesus really did die to take our sin and pay the penalty and rise again. And he says, whoever believes in him may have eternal life. In him was life. John 4, 13 to 14. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water, this is the woman at the well, 
will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. In him was life. John 5, 20, 21, for the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. For as the father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the son gives life to whom he will. In John 5, 39, he tells a group of religious leaders and Pharisees who were like, hey, you can't do that. And you, you, who do you think you are? He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. We, we trust in a person for life. You don't have to strive to get this life. You trust in Jesus and you have it. He is life. If you're in Christ, you have a friend who in your sorrow will never lob down a pep talk from heaven, but rather his heart is to give you eternal life, to give you his life. As one commentator said it, he cannot bear to hold himself at a distance Nothing can hold him back. His heart is too bound up with yours. His heart is to give you his life. Again, to, to quote from the last verse in, in the Gospel of John, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he's God, the Son of God, that you may, in believing, you may have life in his name. You may have life in his name. I just want to encourage you, wherever you are, if you've never believed in Jesus to give you his life, today is the day that he, his arms are open and you can trust in him to forgive you of sin. Just say now, in Jesus, I trust you to forgive me. I want to turn and repent from living my life without you in and all kinds of pursuits, all kinds of sins that have just brought decay, and I wanna now turn to you for life. Come and forgive me, come into my life. And if you're you know, part of the shore and you've been a believer for a long time, I want you just to pause for a moment and think, why Christmas? Why did he come? Yes, promises fulfilled, yes, all that but he came to give you life. I just want you right now to tell Jesus where you need his life to come in. That could be just a place of you haven't felt his presence in a long time. That could be healing. Just tell him. He really, really loves you. And so, Lord, I just, as, as we are just getting ready just to sing now and, and respond, I want to thank you for the Christmas presents. 
the real presence that you really did come with us, that you're in us. And Lord, only you know where and how you want to bring that healing presence. And so God, if there's any area in our lives right now that we want you to give us more of your life in, would you just help us now just surrender what that is? May we just say, Lord, I, want, I need more of your life in my marriage. I need more of your presence in my work, in my thought life. I can't heal this, only you can, so I'm coming to you. The message of Christmas isn't go clean up your life, the king is here, get ready. It's he came into the mess to clean us up when we couldn't. And that's still the message today. There's so many things we can't heal on our own. And there's, there's so many places where, Father, we just long for your return in. And you're with us, as we've been learning in 2 Corinthians, in it all, through it all. But we ask now in the name of Jesus, your life would just now come. Holy Spirit, come and, and fill all those now just watching with, with new life, more of your presence. And I pray as we go into this week, we would carry it. We would, we would sense your joy in coming at Christmas. And I just, I pray too that as, as our world listens to the music in the, in the grocery stores and wherever they go about the Son of God coming, you would minister. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.